the wake of a long and terrible war, our story awakens. With a future that is challenged by evil forces and tempered by powerful magic, a world struggles to find its destiny. A destiny which you now find yourself a part of, as the prophecy has foretold. These are the savage tales of Eberron. Now, settle in and prepare yourself for the thrilling adventures of our brave crew as they seek to make their own fate on this week's episode of Mourners of Lazar. I'm Ellie and I'll be playing Dana. I'm Kevin and I'll be playing Russ. And I'm your Dungeon Master, Philip. Welcome to the uh, Savage Tales of Emperor Mourners of Lazar campaign. This week we are without Ernesto, aka Truco, the beloved shifter, and uh, Michael, aka Torlin, the crazy dwarf. Welcome to our show. Thank you for listening. And so this week's background question to start things off is what are you most insecure about? You're talking to our characters, right? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> With Ruskell, this is something that I, I wanted to build into his character mechanically. It never really kind of found wiggle room, but he's really sensitive about people who rag on the strength and effectiveness of the Syrian military. This is a military that survived 100 years of war, including two secessions had their main capital sacked within the first 30 years of that war and kept on trucking. And when Seer finally fell, it could have fallen for any number of reasons, but none of those reasons include the failures of the military. And so if there's ever a time in a bar or tavern when somebody starts talking about, you know, those foppish Syrians or the, the pansy Syrians, yeah, sure, that's fine, well and good. But the moment you say anything about the military and about how Syria ain't there no more and try and correlate those two, Russ is going to have some words, maybe a wand. Wait, Russ has a wand? Spoilers. Might. <laughs> Well, I think our listeners know that he has wands because mm-hmm. he's gone through the, the effort to get to get him back. Yeah, Ooh. that's true. That's true. Dana may not know he has a wand. There was there was some debate about that the other day. Yeah, what is what is Dana the most insecure about? I think she is the most insecure about her about her upbringing in the sense of social status, where she started where she got to where she is now. She was she was born and raised and spent the first 16 years of life in a very, very small farming community in in rural Seer, out, up in the north. And, you know, she was she was a peasant, you know, like your very standard run of the mill peasant person who's got a small farm and just, you know, lives out in the middle of nowhere. Etc. And then she, then she went to Metro, and she uh, cut a few corners and told a few lies to join up with House Deneth, which earned her a little bit more social standing that she hadn't previously been accustomed to. And after you know, through that, she met and fell in love with a young Korovar nobleman who was minor nobility, but still nobility all the same. And while they never lived 
in a city together because they were just, you know, it, it was the war and they were out on the front. There was this, well, all of a sudden she's got that, a name with an ear prefix and isn't this girl from Earl Seer anymore and has some standing in her Deneth company, has some, you know, presumably social standing after the war. At least that was the plan because of her name and, and new family. And of course, that that part didn't happen, kind of went all up in smoke, metaphorically and literally. But she's kept that name and kind of kept that dignity, or at least the pretense of that of that dignity to to live as a noble woman with, you know, trying to adhere to the standards of I don't know I don't know the the not male gender term for it, gentlemanly conduct, and all these things that you want to attribute to a rural farm girl. So yeah, that you know that's always kind of the thing in the background of that's hanging out there where these two worlds don't match and she can't really lay claim to the second one in a lot of ways anymore, but she still does. Nice, thank you. And have uh, you got a recap for this for the last session there, Dana? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So last week uh, we we picked up in in the middle of a day. Dana had been shooting the breeze with fish guts all afternoon instead of working, and got a few visitors into the galley. Grok, as per usual, and also an orc woman who goes by the nickname Scrimshaw because of the little bones she carves into animals. They, they chatted a little bit, her and Dana. Dana tried to forge a bit of rapport with Scrimshaw that may, may have gone somewhere, but was still very determined on getting back a specific item from the quartermaster. And well, Scrimshaw, Scrimshaw had some ideas about that. Dana wasn't quite sure about Scrimshaw's ideas. And then was even more unsure of what the heck was going on when Mr. Lagra came storming into the galley, which was very unusual and barked to Dana to follow her up on deck. And up on deck, the others were all there and everyone was told, everyone being True Kotorlin, Russ and Dana, along with Rosie Cuswell, the friendly, angry little bard, <laughs> that they were gonna go crabbing because the prince wanted crabs for dinner. So they were given some crab pots, sent to swim out to a reef to catch some crabs. And yeah, Things were going pretty well. There was plenty of hunting to do. They turned out to be not half bad at it. But then when Dana came back out of the water at one point after looking for some more crabs, Torlin spotted something larger in the water behind her, this horrible creature with the body and claws of a lobster and the tail of an eel and much larger than either of those two animals. He recognized it immediately as a reef claw, and uh, Truco also recognized the reef claw. Torlin knew that they could be aggressive, and Truco knew that they tasted very good. And uh, seeing them start to circle, uh, it was time to hurry up. So Torlin kept to catching more crabs while Dana kept watch, and Truco decided he's, he's going to get some of that good eaten from the reef claws. And very soon there was some blood in the water, which 
Hmm, got a little bit tricky because Truco had previously had a brush with a shark. <laughs> and now there was blood in the water. Uh, one thing led to another. Russ and Dana got mildly poisoned, but everyone survived. Everyone caught crabs. They, they quite satisfied Prince Mika to bring back a reef claw as well as crabs, which led to the prince uh, commending Torlin in particular for his efforts. And then evening rolled around and uh, Russ was in a gambling mood and he found some sailors having a drinking contest which he decided to join in and then started seeing, you know, assessing his competition and thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't need to do this tonight until Torlin sidled right up and said, son, let's see what you're made of, which got Russ all fired up. In the end, Russ bowed out before he could pass out. Torlin did not. They all came away with a little bit of gold in their pockets and went Dana got all the all the drunks to bed. Truco robbed all the drunks blind, and as a result, was able to have plenty of things to trade to Grok for his own gear. And that was a day. Is that where we ended the session? I'm. That is where we ended the session. Truco got his stuff back. Bloody hour happened. It's now evening. Oh, and I, I, for, I well, almost left out the best part, um, the two best parts. The first being that Torlin punched a shark, and the second being that uh, Dana had terrible rolls all night, struggling to even Benny just to hit a four, and the only roll she got a success with a raise on was a notice roll that netted her a lock not attached to anything and two pounds of soap. Okay. So you guys wake up to the morning of the 28th of... Zerantir. Um, Dana's up a bit early as per usual, prepping the, to hand out the morning breakfast. That, and you're still a rigor, aren't you, Russ? Um, still a swab. Oh, that's right. You're not a rigor. You're a swab. Thank you. I was noticing it. So all I got for you was... Uh, going up in the crow's nest. And I'm like, that's not a typical job for us. So morning time, Master Scourge is looking at you. And, you know, he was he was shouting some orders to some folks before you. And when he gets when he gets to you, Russ, like his face sours even more than normal. And just he just really scowls at you and he goes, Captain needs a runner today. You run for the messages for the officers. Get going. If I find you slacking, there'll be lashes for laziness. And so that's you running. When you come back into the galley there, Dana, let's see. So clearly Fish Guts hadn't finished telling some of his stories from yesterday. And so he's awesome. kind of like down, chit-chatting, hands you some grog, everything, and just, you know, keeps on telling about, you know, this this raid that they did, he did with the captain some years back on... They actually fought, raided uh, a ship of the blood sail fleet quite successfully. You know, he just kind of goes deep on into that. And yeah, it's another bull session for you today. You got to drink some extra rum, though. So give me give me a uh, bigger check. Brainy. That is a five. I will hold it. Okay. 
Yeah, you do well enough, and then you, you can take an extra ship action today if you so choose. Hmm. And do you have any ship actions in mind today there, Russ? I think for the day action, we're going to work diligently. Okay. Do you still have any fatigue going on? You... I'll let us get rid of it, but I feel like a yeah. hangover of that legendary nature after a drinking contest with dwarves. So give me, give me, a, give me a vigor check as you wake up. Sure, in the morning. absolutely. Ooh, that's a three. Ah, I'm gonna Benny that just once. We're gonna see if it leads to anything. No, double threes. We're going to keep the failure. Okay. That tracks make sense. So you do wake up You wake up with a hangover. Yeah, so Russ is going to want to work diligently to kind of offset that penalty, I think. Okay. And so sir, do you have any plans for the day, Dana? Um, I think the first thing I will do is uh, work some influence with Conkabar. I haven't chatted with my old buddy in a few days check in with him okay well you kind of you kind of got well so mid to late morning Conopar kind of comes into the galley at one point looking for Grok who is also with you and Fish Guts at the moment and away from the uh, quartermaster store and as as Grok and Fish Guts are in a serious conversation at this point Fish Guts is pretty hammered Right, not not unusually so, but at this point now. Yeah, I, I remember you established in a previous session that Grok doesn't come by till around three in the afternoon. So that that's a long time for for Fish Guts to be doing his thing. Oh well, not typically. Today is a bit different. Grok has come in a little bit early to to, to chit chat. You know, she was checking the stores and the cabinet that's next to that's in the galley that's part of the stores, and she just you know heard one of. Fish cut stories and just came on in and kept joining the tale. You know, she's been there for 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. She may or may not stay. Mm-hmm. Conkabar sees what? He's looking for a drink? Well, so how do you want this to go? If he's, if he's looking for if he's looking for a drink. He's, that... He was looking for some stores with Grok, you know, trying to get some, some stuff from the quartermaster. Oh, he's looking for Grok. Okay, not grog, rock with a K. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. And I assume she's blowing him off like she did with Scrimshaw the other day. Well, this is your opportunity to work some influence with them, so go ahead and dive into it. What? All right. I I look up from from my mug and say, she'll she'll get to you when she gets to you. Anything I can give you a hand with? Well, not unless you have the keys to the quartermaster's store, right, Lass? And he kind of winks toward you. I, I say, let's take it. Hey, you know, it's fish guts. There's something off with the grog today. I need a bit of air. Conkabar, will, will you walk with me? Wherever you want to go, Lass. All right. And he kind of takes a, takes a bow. And actually, he throws out his arm. <laughs> how, how tall is he? I mean, like... Two foot ten, maybe, maybe yeah, three I, foot. Uh, that's, that's why I was just like, he has it up high, but he th- he throws it out. All right, I just uh, I 
I, I shake my head, but I but I smile all the same and and walk. And after we get a little bit of distance from the galley and say, well, I found a key, but I don't think it goes to I don't think it goes to Grox. But what are you what are you looking for? Just some stores to do me job for today. You don't need anything extra then. Not in particular. Some rope, couple hooks. Now, nothing you can, nothing you can help me with us from the kitchen, lass. But what, what, what can I do you for? What, what, what do I owe the pleasure of a walk with you for? Well, it's been a couple of days, wondering how you're settling in. How I'm settling in? I've been on the ship longer than you have, lass. I'm a veritable cloud reaver in my bones. Oh, then, then may, we might not have much to talk about then. You wound me. Make a make a persuasion check. All right. There she goes. That is a five, and I will I risk my free reroll. Yeah, I will. See for a raise. There's a raise. There it is. That is. It's just shy of a raise. Nope, that's a seven. I'm gonna hold with the seven. Okay, yeah, so he's just like, you wound me. Am I not uh, pirate material enough for you? <laughs> I, uh, pirate, pirate material's not my strong suit concubar. Um, so give me a, a common knowledge check. Or actually make it a notice roll, sorry. Oh no, oh no! I mean, it's the same dice, can I keep that roll? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's the same. As long as it's the same dice, you can keep it. It's a D6 for smarts and common knowledge, and that was a 14. It's my minus two for. Yeah, so you've you've had enough conversations now with Conakar, you know, both generally during the day and, you know, nighttime interactions and whatnot, to tell that um, he is not much in the way of sailor material. He clearly has not been, he's not lived, lived a long life at sea. He's, right. He's definitely bluffing and putting on a good show, trying to make himself uh, seem fierce and fit in, and and you know probably probably trying to do some of you know trying to make the best of a bad situation kind of thing. Well, hmm, where am I going to take this? Well, yeah, where since are you going to take it? Well, since you you are so well well accustomed to life aboard the ship so quickly. Tell me, uh, how well do you know the quartermaster? I've had ample opportunity to speak with her. I make it my job to, to speak with everyone. That is, uh, it's a valuable currency aboard a ship, Conkabar. Look. Uh, I have no I intention will, of being alone and isolated here. I don't think anyone does. Listen, I, uh, you seem to be a man with a particular set of skills, and I'm wondering if you can help me with a small problem I've got. How much would that be? Well, Grok has something of mine that she has no right to have. I tried to to appeal to her better nature, but I don't think she has one of those either. And I don't have I don't have enough money to trade to get it back. And you are quite good at cards. My lady, have you not learned anything yet about how this ship seems to work? There is there is a 
a rife and boisterous economy that goes on in the ship, even though we are alone and isolated. There is uh, trade and gambling currency. I, I certainly do not part with it for free. There is, uh, there are those who have seen fit to procure from others using less than savory means, you know, but then again, as long as Master Scourge doesn't find out, who matters what you lift from, who you lift from. So it's all a matter of finding the right stock and trade and using your own particular talents to acquire that. Well, you may have noticed that we have a few things in common, one being that, well, one of my talents is a silver tongue and it's a talent I share precisely and perhaps we can work together at the cards table and both come out on top ah if you want to gamble oh well and good that'll be excellent well what I'm suggesting is that we share in the stake and share in the winnings I would only be proportional to what you put in I wouldn't expect anything more Last one thing you you seem to be implying that you may not be getting particularly aboard a ship such as this. Nothing is free. You you must find a means to get what you want. Oh, I know. But like like a wise woman once told me, everyone on the ship needs friends. And so I don't know what you're offering for stakes. For stakes, I'm offering money just like everyone else. Tell me more. What exactly do you mean? Well, I don't know. I don't know how much you have to put down at the table. I can do no more than ten galifars at the moment. Then bet your ten galifars. Mm, Conkabar. Uh, speak plainly. I'm not sure what you're what you're asking. And that's want, a genuine answer from the DM too, because I don't know what exactly you're asking. I want you to assist me in in winning some money at the table whether that is by means of instruction or means of, well, I, I would never suggest to distract the other players in any kind of underhanded way, of course. Um, perhaps you can you can teach me a thing or two. I can do, I can do that. So we'll see you tonight and they, I believe they're gonna be playing dice tonight. A game of luck rather than a game of, uh luck and skill well we'll see how mine holds well if you haven't he, he gives a wink as he starts heading off because if you haven't noticed here it seems that the only of those that survive and make it on the ship are those with luck anyways was there anything else you wanted to do for the day no i won't take that second action okay so russ you're you notice throughout the day in particular that because this is your second time as a runner, or is it your third? Second. Second. Well, even regardless, Mr. La- Mr. Lagra herself kind of like intervenes in directing you more. Oh, hey, yeah. It's a whole bunch of cards, aren't they? Um, then you would think is typical, right? And more that you've seen before. And she is pretty nasty in speaking to you and talking down to you and kind of scrutinizing you a bit more. There's a couple times she's just like, you know, hurry up, you know, quit dragging your, your, your feet and give me, give me a bigger check, actually. Had such good luck with those so far. And that's... Oh, you're hitting all the threes tonight. I know. 
I'm going to throw a Benny at that one. That was only a three with a minus one from the fatigue is two. And there's there a six on both dice for a 10 after the minus one was a success with the raise. And I'll certainly keep that. Yep. So you, you definitely get the sense like during the day, you know, with Mr. Lager really scrutinizing you and give me an athletics check as well. We'll, we'll have this as your role for the day. Sure. Some five minus one for a four. I'll keep so that. you definitely get the sense that you like you have a few moments of like narrowly miss Mr. Lagra like screaming out that you're going to get some lashes for laziness because uh, you're going too slow or uh, something that she's like she, she's got a, a, a pretty critical severe eye on you today that's that you find very uncomfortable put it in the back of my head but I'm not going to do anything about it at the moment okay and incidentally, that still would have been a five because you did work diligently today. So evening time comes for fun because it probably was going to happen anyways. Torlin gets gets three lashes for talking <laughs> back today. Oh, Truco, sorry. That's right. Yeah. Tor- Torlin doesn't have a history of talking back to the officers. Truco totally does. That's what I meant. <laughs> and uh, Sandara gets three lashes as well for laziness and as well as uh, Mannheim. He's get he gets six lashes during the during bloody hour, and Grog is served. And the evening time comes. What to what are you two going to be up to during the evening? Well, I'm I'm keeping my date. I'm going to find my way to the dice table and ask Congabar uh, to help me be a better dice player. So how we, that will play out is he will give you a support role for your for your gambling role. Is there any nighttime action you want to take, Russ? I'd like to influence Aretta again. And... Yeah, so so you certainly find Aretta's hanging out in the galley, listening to uh, Torlin weave another tale. Shoot, you don't even look like you had a drinking contest last night. You seem to be recovering well. She gives... Her ears kind of go go down and then kind of go up a little bit. I don't know if you've got enough experience with hobgoblins to get any sense of reading a hobgoblin body language. A- any reason why you might have? No. Aretta's okay. a half-orc, though, right? Was she a half-orc? I thought she was. No, that's right. Arzag was the hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Okay, so Aretta, she gives you a toothy grin. You know, it's one of, one of the only orc features that she has. And... She goes, uh, it's a benefit of my orc ancestry. Figured it would. Y'all have that legendary constitution. Keeps you fighting when everybody else keeps going down. Eh, there's just uh, some can't stand the drink aboard ships like this like others can. As for me, I just keep finding myself in fights. I just always seem destined to lose right when I get started. Seem to have handled yourself well enough on this ship. At least some say. Some you say a, you aren't you aren't as crazy as that dwarf, but no, no, no. Go back a bit. What are people saying about me? Okay, so this is a good place to start with your persuasion check. All right, it's ace on the d6 for an eight after the minus one, and I will certainly keep that. So she kind of she kind of. Like half grins, half scowls. It's kind of hard to tell with those orc incisors. 
she kind of looks forward a little bit and she, and she leans looks around a little bit and then leans forward and she goes ah, yeah crew talks on the ship everybody talks about how uh manheim and narwhal slippery sill and all them jumped you all second day you were on the ship here they did so everything that they say the that dwarf and she points up points up to Torlin from where he's uh performing he goes he was certainly the crazy one but I've heard some folk tell enough that you you were clearly scrappy enough in your own right. Gave as good as you got. It was a tussle. Some gave, some got. No one got out unscathed. I, res- I respect you one of those stand-up to bullies. She kind of, like, tips her mug towards you. Yeah, I got a big one hanging over my shoulder right now. Uh, Mr. Legras got it out for me. You heard anything about that? Hmm... To get a raise on your persuasion check. Let's see what she knows. Or notices, I should say. She just goes, Mr. Lagra is one of the sourest, most ambitious souls on this ship. Could be personal, could be a bad day. Who knows? Yeah. Could just be a bad day. But do me a favor, would you? And if you hear anything, you'd let me know? Because it seems to be, as of maybe about a couple days ago, ever since the storm, seems to be becoming a pattern. Now, I don't really protest to know too much about what people believe on this ship, but I know I'm one of the people that went in the water and one of the people that came back out. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Yeah, from the scrappy fighting and how crazy you are, I respect that. Do you think I'm crazy? (laughs) By the devourer, you jumped into the ocean to save somebody man overboard during a storm. If you're not crazy... Master Scourge is sane here. I guess you're right. I never really thought about it like that, but again, I never really thought about too much of it at all. So if I would have went in, just not by my own jumping, but if I'd have been knocked in, do you throw me a line? If you were close enough to this ship, certainly. I wouldn't have jumped in for you, though. Hey, I got a little bit of a different question for you. You've You've been serving on the ship for a while. You're right and proud Cloud Reaver while I'm just, you know, uh, scum they found on the side of the beach. But who's been serving here the longest? Who here knows Mika Rockface the best, would you say? Other than the officers. Well, we're even including the officers, I guess. She, she was about to speak up when you said other than the officers, and then she kind of shut her mouth a little bit. And she, she, she goes, some of the officers are been the longest serving with her, particularly uh, Grovis, Rerus, and Hackerel, among others. Lost a couple of the other officers sometime before those of you came onto this ship. As she was, uh, as we were out running a uh, Karnath privateer, the captain's still upset about, uh, there's a program I don't have set up on this computer yet. Never mind. I think she's still upset from losing her navigator. And... How did she? Yeah, some of the crews. What's was that? There, how did she lose the navigator? Was there a, a big battle? Because it sounds like you all hit Elysium before you hit Regalport. So I was you're trying to recover. For, you're making up for lost crew. What happened? <clears throat> well, when we first set down, first the captain attempted to break Tidewater Rock again. And we got repulsed. I think that's the third time the captain's tried to take Tidewater Rock. And... Uh, is that where we're going now? Back to Tidewater? Oh. This is fourth attempt? Not, not, with the, not with half the crew she started out with. 
I don't think that's likely. Besides, we're heading out into the, uh, <clears throat> what is that? The Dragon's Reach? Let me get my bearings here real quick. We're heading out uh, to the outskirts of the Sea of Rage. I think the captain may be trying to look for some Undarian vessels to commandeer. Undarian? This far out? That's the other side of the continent. At least by land. Ah, some... No, on on Dare, over in Sorlona. That's a different continent. Oh, wait. I said on Dare. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're in the... That's the northwest corner. We're a bit far ways out. Russ don't know his water, but... I got that totally mixed up, didn't I? All right. Oh, gosh. What the hell am I thinking of? I'm totally blanking on the name. But yeah, Sorlonian vessels. Captain's looking to go after some Sorlonian vessels. Think Tidewater Rock's behind us. All right. Okay. And it was after Tidewater Rock. Certainly lost half the crew. And then we got chased down for a while by a Karnathi privateer. Seems uh, like y'all are accustomed to losing battles, too. Seems like I'll fit right in in this crew. Uh, she actually scowls at that. And she goes, no, that's not common. Rockface is pretty upset. Her pride's hurt. By all counts, we should be heading back into uh, Port Crag, or not Crag, Port Crez, for some repairs. But she, I don't think she's going back until she gets some prize. And you don't know what that prize is, right? You just hanging out, just sword arm. Whatever bounty presents itself on the seas here. It's been pretty dry, but it is uh, deep in deep into winter right now. Yeah, I don't know the the rules of pirating. It's it's all kind of new to me. If you can catch it, it's yours. And she smiles. How is that how it goes? Sure to keep that in mind. Russell, turn around and I think use that as a good little end cap. Okay. So, Dana, so Conic Bar will he'll make a gambling roll to support you. How much are you betting? I'll put down... I'll put down five to start, five Galifars. Now, of course, this is over a number of games, right? This is just going to be one game in particular. Why is my not rolling? So nice for some reason it's not rolling a Conic Bar's dice. Mm-hmm. All right, do it this way. That's good for a success. So that gets you a plus one on your gambling roll. All right, so I... I sit myself down at the table, and where am I? Where am I even getting dice from? Is he is he going to pass me some of his? No, I mean they're provided. Okay. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I I pick up some some dice, put down my five Galifars in the pot, and uh, kind of. Well, this smile. would this would certainly be a number of bets over a number of rolls. <laughs> Is the way that you can kind of think about it, rather than a single roll. Okay. Um, you, the player, is making one roll, but Dana has been making numerous rolls. Go ahead and, uh, and uh, make a gambling roll. Plus one. All right. I want to clean that little section. There's my modifier for better rolls. All right. Let's see what we do here. It's a two, and I'm going to Benny it. It's another two, and I'm going to Benny it. No. Uh, That is a 10, and I'm going to hold it. Okay. Okay. And... What am I playing with, by the way? There's 
there's a number of the crew that are playing. Some of the riggers, some of the other swabs, Barefoot Shams, Rosie, Tamroth, Scrimshaw, Arzag. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few folks gambling tonight. And so you end up kind of splitting the pot with Arzag, getting a total of, you make 15 Galifars. I make 15. All right. So, and, yeah, I guess. Uh, we yeah, mm -hmm. you, you make 15 Galifars from essentially, you know, a, an hour of gambling. A lot. And that's. Uh, I raise my mug to, to Conic Bar. Well, thank you, my friend. That's certainly better than I would have done on my own knowledge of how these things go. <clears throat> not not half bad. Any kind of like claps you on the leg. And he goes, before long, you'll be losing some money to me. And he gives you a nice big smile. It, the moment his hand hits my leg, I just grab it and put it back where it belongs in, in his personal space. <laughs> okay. And, and he, his eyes kind of go big a little bit and he puts his hands up and he goes and he tips his hat to you and winks. Mm -hmm. All right. Did you want to, do you guys want to do some interludes tonight? The interludes intended to be conversations with each other or just other stories that are told? I I can go either way. Like I'd happily chat with Russ tonight, do an interlude tomorrow and then chat again or something like that. But what do you think, Kevin? I'm game for either. Um, all right, well, why don't we why don't we link up tonight, do interludes tomorrow, and then have the thing after the interludes? Sure. All right, so I'll yell. I'm I'm packing up my winnings. I'm making sure Conic Bar keeps his hands to himself, and I I don't get another drink. I just kind of sit back against the hull, and you know, on a stool or whatever, and watch the room, you know, if Torlin's performing or whatever, just just watching the room. Russell sits down next to Dana. Port Cres. I think that's where the ship's headed. Uh, do I know what Principality Port Cres is part of, Phil? Give me a common knowledge check. Does Russ know what Principality Port Cres is part of? I'm not even rolling. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a free. I'm gonna hold it. And just to be clear you saying that makes me makes me think you may have misheard uh, misheard Aretta. something Aretta said. Yeah, Aretta oh, said no. that that the captain is that the ship that you all seem to be heading out into the Sea of Rage to go after Sorlonian ships. Mm -hmm. When Aretta thinks that because of uh, the loss of crew and the and the damage to the ship that's still present, that the ship should have gone back to Port Cres for oh. repairs, but. She's, she says she doesn't think the captain's going to do it until she finally gets a prize on this voyage. Got it. Never mind. We're not heading to so, Port Cres. <laughs> given that, it would certainly make you think that Port Cres is the home port of the cloud, of the Storm Reaver. There you go. And no, Dana, you don't know where Port, port Cres is. So we're not heading to Port Cres. You saying that to Dana out loud? <laughs> I, I didn't know that was on the table. Where where are we headed? Have you heard something? No, I think they're just chasing chasing fish or whatever pirates use for analogies there. I was able I don't know if you heard, and this ship doesn't have a navigator at the moment. I've got some skill in that regard and I was able to get my tools 
back from Grok, but she swears up and down that the other officers won't care, and she sure doesn't. I get the uh, sense if I, if that... I could get a chart, I could get a sense of where we're headed, but I can't get one of those either. I get a sense if they were using a navigator, they would have found one by now or set someone up with all the stuff they have available. I get the sense that wherever our destination is, it's not guided by locations on a map. They're... I will offer a correction to that, because especially you as a runner would have experience with. Grovis Stormbeard and... Hackroll, Quarn, the Artificer, and the Sorcerer seem to spend, they do spend a lot of time over charts in the map room at the front of the ship. You do run some messages between them. Good information. So yeah, you, you would have seen them that they, they work the charts and stuff like that. And the, the map room's at the front of the ship? Yes. I guess I can make the ship active now at this point. So yeah, it, it has been called out as explicitly off limits to the crew. However, when you do run, um, when you are a runner, you're allowed to just kind of like step into the door, deliver messages, take the messages, and run back up to the quarter deck or down to the weapons deck or whatnot. Is it? So it's, uh, was it actively guarded or watched by anyone other than the occupants when Russ was running messages for him? Give me a notice check. Sure. As soon as I need to get back to access to my character sheet. Yeah, the map. Uh, this trying to read the ship. Yep. Yeah. And I'll just pull it up from here. A notice check. That's two. Your turn to roll all threes this week. Yep, clearly. I'm going to keep that. Okay, yeah. You didn't. You certainly didn't. You didn't notice any other guards present, but you also weren't looking super co- closely at anything that might be going on they they were certainly very strict to like just once you came in you were told sternly to wait at the door so do you have the ship up at this point working on it still loading yeah so basically it's just the the front four castle the actual room that's underneath it is all it's it's chock full of you know there's a big table in the center some chairs around it there's a table off to the left side. There's a couple of hatches that go down to the to the weapons deck below you, off to the left and right. And there's there's a couple of windows in front as well, letting a lot of sunlight. But there's there's books and cubbies with scrolls and all that kind of stuff like that, all over the place here. So, you know, it's like the the door to it's right there that you go underneath it there. Got it. Um, you know, so pretty much every wall space that's available is covered with shelves and, and uh, books and rolled up pieces of paper and all that kind of stuff like that. Take three on Russ joining this conversation. <laughs> if you want to know where the ship is going, then underneath the forecastles, probably your best bet. Ship Sorcerer and Artifice have been hanging out there. Looks like they're pouring over maps, charts or something. I didn't get a good look, but... During the day may not be the best option. It sounds like that's when they're doing their work in there. Uh, I mean, tell you right, that's uh, getting in out of places unseen. Not awful at it, but man, there was this one action during on the front where up. Never mind. Anyways, I didn't get assigned to that duty anymore after that evening. But uh, 
I feel like Truco might be halfway decent at that. Maybe we could go and bug him about it. He does seem to have the knack for a... Uh... Although maybe that's not the best idea because he'd try and steal something in there and then that's just going to end up poorly for all of us. Yeah, honest, honestly, Russ, I'm not I'm not sure how much I, I feel like tempting fate in that regard. Fish cuts, a couple other folks have... Uh, have made it clear that Mr. Lager holds a grudge, and she's she's not forgotten me. She's not forgotten me crossing her my first day aboard. And he seems to have taken up an interest in heckling me as well. So you're not what? alone in, in that boat. Why? Yeah, I have what no happened? idea. I don't know. She's just been awful, ratting me awful hard today, and past couple days, really, ever since the storm seems to be. Kyber, that's not so, me. and that is not. Dana, you can certainly speak to that's you haven't had a ton of interaction with Mr. Lagra per se, but you do have some. Mm-hmm. She seems to be much more ornery and critical of you as well during over the course of today, primarily. Really, yeah, today's been the worst, but been she's the storm. wrapping up her attentions towards me even more as well. I mean, I, I know what I did. I don't know what you did. What did you do? I have no idea. I mean, uh, I look, I wasn't that drunk. I think I went straight to my hammock after I, the drinking contest last night. I don't think I've gotten anything stupid. Not, Wouldn't be the f- last time, the first time, rather, that, you know, the, uh, the drinks uh, led to a little bit of rough and tussle, but... Unless you tend to walk and talk in your sleep, you're fine. I, I made sure you got. I made sure you got taken care of last night. Don't you worry about that. But if I did walk and talk in my sleep, that could be an issue. Is what you're saying? <laughs> only if you, only if you said or did something to piss off Mr. Lagra. Anyways, we'll get it sorted out, and if we don't, we got each other's back. Sure, sure we do. All right, I got to turn in early. I'm still reeling from that drinking contest. Still? It's been all day. I don't know if you've ever tried drinking against dwarves. With there was a time Torlin decided it was time for me to learn how to uh, learn to grow up, I guess. And well, he goes easier on me now in that respect. Anyways, you, yeah. I'll probably turn in as well. Can't hurt. Nothing left here, anyways. Okay, you two turn in for the evening. Ross, you can remove that one level of fatigue. Will do. Let's take our evening break here. All right. So come morning time. Well, during the morning's uh, term I'm looking for, roll call. That's what I was looking for. During the morning roll call and everything and job assignments and everything. You know, Master Scourge gets really kind of like in your face, Russ, <clears throat> and grab some tools from Cutthroat, check to see with Master Hackrill. You got some Repair work on your hands today, boy. Aye, aye. Repair work it is. And you can you can give me a notice roll. Ace on the wild die for a eight. Okay, we'll hold that. As Master Scourge kind of goes down and talks, gives assignments to Truco, and as well as Torland as well. You can see, you can particularly notice over the last couple of days that Master Scourge as well is getting much more critical of you guys and mean and, and ornery 
with you. And Dana, Fishgut certainly seems to have got his drinking out of his system and his storytelling over the last couple of days. And the the crab, the crabs and the, the dishes that he had made with the crabs, you know, he had leftovers of it for the last couple of days that he'd been dishing out. So not much work had been done in the kitchen. That's all done. And he gets back to working back into the kitchen. And he's doing the main cooking today. And you're just assisting him. So there's no need for you to make a uh, check for your assigned task for today. All right. Is there any shipboard action? Is there interludes that are happening? Because. Um, yeah, though, I I think those would at least my my vision was th- that would happen like at when we're not working for the day or whatever. So the interludes would, would hold off until the evening time then, because you guys are really, everybody's always working throughout the day. So there's not much time to tell yeah. in-depth stories. You know, yeah. if the story's light and everything like that, then oh, no. <laughs> there could be opportunity for that. Is there any daytime action either of you have taken? It is uh, the first of Olaroon today. I think Russ is going to work diligently. These, yeah. Common knowledge and survival check. Yeah, Russ is going to work diligently for today. For daytime action. No, your ship time action, you're doing the repairs. So you either need to make an athletics, a boating, or a repair check for your role today. Boating or repair. That's, okay, got it. Athletics, boating, or repair. Are you still going to work diligently? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anything Dana's going to be up to? I don't need to make a roll, huh? Nope, not for the day. So you're effectively your ship, your assigned task for the day. You don't need to roll for, you know, any. Uh, oh, I'll do some quick influence with Fish Gus since he's actually sober this morning. <clears throat> okay. And we're working side by side. So, you know, as I'm. Sure. Before you do, give me a notice check. Double fives for a five. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead then. All right. So. Kind of turning where he's told me to go fetch something from the shelf. And <laughs> once again, I just shake my head and say, Fish guts, I wish you'd help me. I wish you'd let me make at least one little shelf where I know where everything is. If, if you do that, I won't be able to find anything. I know it. <clears throat> You're. I can find, I know exactly where everything is. Trust me. Uh, I'm I, a professional. I, oh, I know you know. You you were the head chef at the Armored Lobster. I know you know, but I don't know. Anyways, you know, I come back with a little jar of something or other and start start pouring some some spices into a little into a little mortar and pestle. Don't overdo that. That's from Ondere. Those are hard to get. From Ondere? What is it? Ondarian uh, nettle seeds. Huh. I've never seen them before. You know, I was I was in Braylon for a little while after the war, and they they don't like bringing in a lot of Ondarian goods there. So better make better make it an extra good student night so everyone appreciates this. I think it'll be lost on the crew if you ask me. Oh, this particular dish isn't for the crew. This is for the captain and the officers. That is well established at this point. Is there's generally kind of like a meal for the crew and a meal for the for the officers that are made, and there is a clear. Well, 
depending on if fish guts is involved in the meal prep or not, there's generally a, a difference in the quality of the food. Say, uh, say fish guts, uh, speaking of speaking of the captain and the officers. Well, you know, you, you told me the other day that, that Mr. Logra likes to hold a grudge. And I, you know, I know she's had it for me. I'm sure you heard, uh, sure you heard about how i how i crossed her and hearing through hearing through the grapevine that she's got it in now for my friend as well the fella in the blue coat you you heard anything you, you tell uh, me if you heard anything right give me a persuasion check Ooh, that is an eight on the nose so fish got you know just while he's you know just throwing some some of the very last of the crab into it into a particular dish that he's making. Kind of shakes his head. Do you take everything personally? Miss, Mr. Lagra is just an, an angry, bitter woman. I'm not even sure that she knows why she's she's mad. She seems, she's more ornery and pissed off than uh, most orcs that I've seen. I don't know, I know she's got, she's got ambition for her own captaincy at some point. It's not about taking it personally, Fish Guts. It's about being it's about being careful. If if my friend in the blue coat says he noticed Mr. Logger giving him some extra special unwanted attention that the other swabs aren't getting, I'm gonna take him seriously. So you'd tell me if you heard anything, right? He kinda like he like cocks his eye at you and goes, I I may well I'll tell you anything that's not gonna <clears throat> cause me trouble with the captain i don't i don't intend to get you in trouble fish guts but i do intend to keep myself out of it and if we can help each other stay out of trouble all the better after all you did wait three years to get a cook's mate and i give him a little smile he grimaces back at you and he goes it's easy to stay out of trouble with mr logro while we're down here she doesn't come down here Now, as long as the food still keeps coming, she'll be fine. And if you want to take my advice, <clears throat> don't be, don't stand between Mr. Lagra and others that have collected her ire. That's how you want to stay out of tr- That's how you stay out of trouble. Well, maybe I'm a little more stupid than you are, Fish Guts. I can't, I can't make that kind of promise, but in the meantime, I'll, uh, I'll keep helping you make your soup. Um, yeah, so, I mean, fish cups seems to be, I mean, overall, especially on his, on his sober days, it's kind of, well, give me a, uh, give me another notice check, I would say. Why did that not roll? Yeah, that's what I'm noticing. Oh, there it goes. Or is that a new one? There it goes. Boom. That's mm-hmm. another eight. Okay. <clears throat> well, there's something else I was going to add to what he, what he said. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, as, through this conversation, you know, Fish Guts seems to really be warming up to you quite a bit over the course of you working with him. And he, he seems... You definitely get the impression that probably a lot of his drinking has come from, you know, in effect that he's he's kind of lost hope in life, right? And, you know, he's he's in his cups a lot and just, you know, surviving from one day to the next with no no purpose or no desire or no hope or no anything. He he also clearly doesn't have a high opinion of, of Mr. Lagra or Master Scourge. 
Um, you know, during this, he actually speaks more of Master Scourge as being kind of like a sycophant bootlicker to Mr. Lagra. That's really, he's a, he's a worm and uh, Scourge far more than just an in's name. <clears throat> I, if, if it's uh, between you and me personally, I think he's, he's pissed off that he's not a full-blooded orc. And he is so, he's got so much blood from a clearly weak human parent that he's trying to make up for. I knew an orc. Go ahead. I'm going to say fish guts. Yeah, I I knew an officer during the war who was upset that his blood wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I I know Scourge's type. And if Dana is getting this strong sense that fish guts has lost hope for his future and sees himself as being very trapped in his current situation, that is actually a great segue into my interlude. Okay. Yeah, the the other last thing I'll add to that, and we'll let you go into that interlude with him, is that he also tells you that, you know, some of the stuff that he shares as you're talking about Master Scourge and Mr. Lagra is that Mr. Lagra, she's young and she's fairly new on the ship, but her rise to first mate has been pretty meteoric. However, she he does kind of confide that she hasn't really ever quite seemed to get into the very close-knit inner circle that Prince Rockface has. Okay. I'm actually going to change tactics slightly because I do want, you know, I want the that interlude to be a story I swap with Russ in particular. So I'll just instead tell Fish Guts a story about about how I'll just give him the the Coles Notes version of of how, you know, that that old you know, officer I knew who who wanted who wanted more to his name and was was upset about the circumstances of his birth and the hand he'd been dealt from it. You know, once once ordered us into a hopeless situation, but help came from from where we least expected it, and now I'm here and I'm able to help you make the soup. Okay, cool. All right, and you don't have to roll for today. Russ is working diligently. Got a six, what? and we're keeping it. Six got a seven. Because did you add? Uh, I did. Yeah, I added a uh, plus oh, one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you experienced more of the same. Master Scourge is getting is nasty today as well. And unusually, Mr. Lagra does pipe up a couple times, scrutinizing your skill and working on the repairs when you're up topside on the deck. Mr. Lagra doesn't usually like say squat to you all during the day. And you would have also noticed as well as she speaks out to Truco and Torlin as well, calling them out during the day. And so we will say great to to Master Scourge's great disappointment. Bloody hour is uneventful today. And evening time comes. What do you two want to be up to tonight? Sneak action. Now, are you tending to doing it while everybody's still awake here? Or is this something that you want to save for the middle of the night? Oh, I didn't think that far ahead. So just to be clear, so you have... Mm-hmm. You can take one nighttime action, which is essentially between between bloody hour and when you go to sleep, right? In addition to that, you can take w- up to two ship actions in the middle of the night. You will have to make uh, bigger checks to see how well uh, you deal with a lack of sleep. 
but that is an option as as well. We're going to try and take this action when folks are falling asleep. So first, you know, like what would normally be like first walk. Okay, so after most people have gone to sleep? Yes. Yes. Okay. And what are you up to tonight, Dana? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my luck at the at the gambling table again. Try to slowly but incrementally get a few more coins in my pocket. Okay. And I think Rust, knowing he's going to be staying up a little late, is going to make himself scarce for this few hours. Okay. I mean, he's going to take the grog because they get they get whips if they don't. So, but after that, he's going to make himself scarce. Make himself scarce in what sense? Try and go catch a couple, you know, thirty winks somewhere, you know, off to the side. Okay, so we're not going to talk tonight then. Probably not. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So Dane is going to be gambling. What's going on tonight is arm wrestling. Arm wrestling, huh? All right, sure, why not? That sucks. I wanted to participate in arm wrestling. <laughs> Screw it, let's be bold. Russ is participating in arm wrestling. Okay. Did you want to swap stories after arm wrestling? Sure. All right, let's do this. Actually, it makes a more convincing lie yep. if Russ is seen. Make the convincing lie if he can ask Dana to alibi him. That it does. So... And you're betting on the arm wrestling, right, Dana? Is that what you said? Yes, I am. You, you I'm intended gonna, to gamble tonight. I do intend to. I do intend to put down money in this. And you know, she's cautious. She's going to go slowly, so I'm still going to just keep it to a basic stake of five Galifars. Okay, you're doing some arm wrestling against. So, John Jondas Sudak. Well, no, let's go with the force first. I was going to do slippery sill. Okay. He's, he sees you. She sees you step up and she just immediately steps forward. And they're definitely, they're on the barrels. There's some glass and nails strewn about for whoever loses. And this will be a strength check. All right. And I, I sit down at the table and I roll. I see the glass and nails and I roll up my sleeves, but I pull a pair of gloves out of my, uh, off of my belt and put them on and put my hand on the table. And, and, and she goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Gloves off. <laughs> They're just gloves, Still, what are you afraid of? Rosie kind of pipes up and goes, that's not the way this is done. If you want, if you want to participate in gamble and stuff like that, it's barehanded. No gloves, no advantage. If you lose, you suffer the consequences. No advantage in these. They're n- it's, uh, it's just something we do where I come from. You, you scared to lose to a scrawny human? Is that it? Actually, a number of people pipe up and they're like, "No gloves." Guess take, yours. Take your take your loss like a like a good sailor. Doesn't sound like I'm the one who's scared of losing here. If I take off my gloves and tuck them back into my belt. Okay. Um. So yeah, make a strength check. Scandalous. Uh, is Russ going to arm wrestle knowing that he can't wear his gloves? Are we going to touch hands? It's getting spicy. All right, let's do a strength check. Haven't come to that yet. Let's see. <laughs> it's a four for Dana, and I'm going to Benny that and try to do better. A slippery got a two. Oh, she did. Benny. Yeah, I'm still going to. She gets another two. How many Galifars did you say you put down? I just put down five to start. Right. Okay. Oh, is this just the first round? This is this is gonna be for the total for it. 
all right. But I mean, that We're, was that it, for it's, the first it, round or for it's everything? A, it's, a, it's the same thing for everything. Of just, you know, totaling everything up as one role to keep things simple okay. rather than doing multiple roles in an evening. If it's just me and Syl, four to two, then I'll hold with my four. Um, uh, so here, spend more and more money. Four. Sure, it's a draw then. Okay, draw means you don't win any money. But you do. You don't lose any money either. Mm-hmm. I just shrug and say, anyone else? Yeah, and it goes on, and so you end up with you end up basically with the draw. Um, Can I say Russ is her opponent? If you two want to arm wrestle against each other, I'll, I'll let that happen for for Russ's nighttime action there. But or were you can... wanting to to narrate it in that we come that we come to the draw or that we do a separate role? What do you? Think? Well, you just said anybody you do... else. Yeah, Russ is participating in arm wrestling. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm just putting two and two together here. All right. So, are you betting any money on this, Russ? How many Galifars are on the table? You can, during, generally during these evening entertainments, you can bet anywhere from uh, one to 20 Galifars, or, and, you know, sovereigns inclusive. So, Dana's got five Galifars on the table. But if I, when I see Russ, you know, if Russ is sitting down, I'll kind of put my hand on my pile of coins and say, I don't intend to. I don't intend to, to do this uh, for money, not not against you. It's the rules of the ship, Ms. Dana. <laughs> as far as I understand it. Rules of the ship, but we're not from this ship, are we? But we're on it now. Fair enough. And I push the coins back into the center. Russ is going to put five Galifars down to match her bet. And okay. I hold out my bare seer in hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Russ so, is going to take his his glove off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a general. It, it's clear that it's been a general rule during this that that participants aren't allowed to wear gloves because if you're going to get ta- if you're going to get damaged having your hand smashed down, everybody wants it unfiltered, yeah, <laughs> unprotected. So yeah, go ahead and make opposing strength rolls. Do you want to do this as an as an attack defender, just? roll as much as we like kind of deal that's a question for the dm that's up to you two well if if we want to do it here what we can do to make it fair let's just draw action cards huh all right cool the hell is russ there's dana and Right, something's up with the map, and I can't. That may be why. You can take off your level of fatigue there, Russ. Uh, I thought I did take it off. Should be gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, it's gone. Russian wants 10 hearts and 9 of diamonds. 10 of hearts, please. And Dana gets a Joker. All right. There. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> Dana's all right. got plus two on her roll. Yep. So you can roll first, Dana, or you can let Russ roll first. I'll let Russ roll first. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, man. I need this money. Oh, that's funny that we both got it. We both got a Benny, even though we're going against each other. I mean, you're both on the same side, so. Yeah. I think. Which uh, got a five, and I'm keeping it. All right. Not gonna fight the Joker, huh? Nope. All right. Or maybe you're saving your bennies for later on tonight. That is a six. 
and uh, I'll I'll hang on to that. Okay. So, so can I after- can I narrate how this fight how this contest ends? Sure. Because there's but just no. Like, however, if it does not end with somebody getting smashed into things, you're not going to be winning your money. Uh, yeah, just there's there's a thought I had that would be real appropriate, and and like she said, she doesn't want to take Russ's money, so it's not only Russ who's betting on this. This money kind of goes in the pot. Other people are betting as well. That's that's how you end up getting more money. So I just look him in the eye and and say quietly, "I'm sorry. I have to get it back," and I push his hand down and I don't I don't do it hard but you know maybe just enough for a little Nick to satisfy the crowd sure you do take on a level of fatigue there Russ from right. bumps and bruises oh and incidentally because this may matter Red and realized I haven't I hadn't realized this a healing check can be made to heal the level of fatigue from bumps and bruises so essentially you can apply first aid on fatigue acquired from bumps and bruises to help alleviate bumps and bruises so yeah i never really played with that or called that out i never really thought of that i mean if i can try to support that after the fact i i would try to help him you know get his hand wrapped up if he'll let kind of thing but yes how much money did i win you went 10 10 galifars i will subtract five from my galifar total all right oh and looky i don't know Looky here at what? Oh. No, I was going to say, Dana doesn't have healing, right? No, I... None of no, us I, have healing. I would roll on train to try to, to try to help him. Well, Sundar is watching there. And yeah, I was going to bug Miss Quinn after this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, Miss Sundar was watching it, and she sees you, and, you know, she's just like, that lady was being awful nice to you. I've seen, uh, and I'm sure you have watching this arm wrestling. I've seen a lot worse happen. Her heart wasn't in it. You you got off uh, pretty light here. She needed the money more than I did. Well, uh, Sandar rolls a one on her healing check. She'll bend you that. Oh, three. Oh. Can I support her on that? I'd say it's since she started rolling, it's a little bit too late for that. Yeah, yeah and if it's something magical, too. Spend another penny. There we go. She gets a seven. Okay. So, yeah, she spent some time with, the, with, with some, you know ointment and a little healing pouch that she has and kind of, uh, you know, helps c- clean up the, the scratches and everything like that, pulls out a piece of glass and everything. And you can remove the level of fatigue there. Done. My initial comment was thinking that Dana was going to do it and here's an opportunity for mm-hmm, yeah. you two to chat. But Not this time. Okay. Anything else happening for the evening? Before bedtime, I should say, because something's happening after bedtime. If you want that talk to happen, this can this can be the time. Yeah, I think this would be a good time. Let's do it. This would be a narratively appropriate time. So, Miss Quinn, get you fixed up. She did. She's good at her craft. I'll give her that. Why did you wanna? Why did you wanna sit down with me instead of you know with someone else when the contest began? told you I didn't want to take your money and I meant it but I do need it I don't think want ever had anything to do with it sometimes you see a need and you just gotta answer to it it's the way it's always been so what'd you need? oh I didn't need anything weren't looking in a mirror <laughs> fair enough besides I could tell you were having trouble doing the, the bare hand wrestling 
So figure if it's going to be, you know, a problem, might as well be one we all kind of suffer together. These people don't know where we come from. They don't know what our customs are. And if they did, I doubt they'd care anyways. I think you got that just about right. Might as well tell you what all the fuss was about. I took your money. It's only fair. Take a it's walk. It's not my money no more. It's not my money no more. It's yours. You earned it. Fair square. Everybody will see that you certainly tried. You outmuscled me. That happened. Different could happen on any other night. You just said you gave it to me, Russ. Which one is it? I put it on the table. It's not the same oh. as giving it away. Then I will I will take it in the spirit which was intended. Take a walk with me. Sure. You know, earlier Fish Guts was... He's, he's a funny one on the days when he's sober. And we actually get to work together and we actually get to talk. Man's... Man thinks he's trapped here forever. He thinks he's going to die on this ship. And, uh, well, I don't intend to let that happen. I've been in more than a few of those scrapes myself, and it didn't happen yet. But anyways, that's beside the point. Point is, I need that money to get my Tago knife back. It was... I still don't have enough. It's its a real nice one. It, I, I didn't... It was a gift from, from someone who had some money. And I need it back. Grok says she's a business, you know, that she's just running a business from where I'm sitting. She's just another common thief. And I've had my fellow people just follow orders. And, uh, well, this, those extra Galifars are putting a good chunk towards that. That's good. I hope you get it back. I hope so, too. It was, it was from someone I served with. A Tago knife from somebody you served with? <laughs> yep. I shouldn't chuckle. Yep. Same story for me. You're, you're kidding me. Not at all. My my commanding officer, well, you can call her that. She she and I dueled. On top of the Vermishard, oh, one of the Vermishards. Vermishard of Law, I think it was. Huh. Well, seems like... <laughs> seems like we got more than a few things in common, you know. Uh, and this isn't the first time the Sky Knight's done me a favor either. And with that, I start into my interlude. I don't know how you want to transition that. You're you're muted, Phil, or otherwise not coming I, through. I thought you were already in it, so. Well, that take it away. That was still happening in present day. So, flashback. Let me let me double check the months of my calendar here, so I. Oh, okay. So you want to do the interlude as a flashback then, huh? Okay. Well, kind. I mean, kind of. You know, the idea is that I'm. Yeah, as a flashback, I'm telling the story. Sure. Um, so it is the, yeah, it is, it is the second of Nim in nine nine three. You know my my Denneth Mercenary Company is along the Carnathy border, just not too far south of a little, but not so little village called Dolan on the River, which itself. I hope I think I'm getting my geography right. Is is a little bit south of Metrol or is it north of Metrol? It's north of Metrol. North of Metrol. Yeah, I'm kinda in we're kinda in between Metrol and Dolan on the river along the Carnathy border. And yeah, it's it's a hot morning, but it, it's kinda overcast. <laughs> and I you know, I, I come out of my tent, you know, sit myself around the fire with with some of the other mercs who are all, you know, all people I've served with a while. We know each other. We're, we're friends and comrades in arms. And I, I pull up, 
know, I pull up the stool, hold out my mug for some some towel, and one of them across the fire says, Hey, Danny, do you know what's going down today? And I kind of, you know, I, I look back at her and say, Haven't heard anything yet. Why would I? And she just kind of smirks and says, Because you've got connections. And I, I look over to the, you know, the tent where Captain Halloran, where, yeah, Captain Halloran keeps his, you know, holds court, if you will, you know, where he's got his maps and where he meets with officers. And I just say, well, he woke up before me. Five Galifar says he's in there now. And you know he'll tell us when he when he's got something. He always does. You don't have to come through me. I can smell a fight in the air. <sighs> when isn't there one? I mean, it's it's been quiet for for a little too long, but something's happening. You know, he he left so quiet this morning. It didn't even wake me up, and that's saying something. So, I mean, you're—I think you're right to be worried, but we get through it. We always do. The lieutenant takes good care of us. Just a little. There's only so much he can take care of us with against uh, zombies from Fort Zombie. This damn Carnathian undead. Yeah, that's. Can't imagine raising a dead person to fight in your place. Bad enough what they try to do here with the forged. You know, he, his parents tried to buy him one, you know. He wouldn't have it anyways. When he knows, we'll know. And, you know, so we finish up, we shouldn't, we finish up eating and we kind of get to the normal soldiers sitting around waiting for a fight task, you know, tending to gear, sharpening weapons, oiling, you know, oiling armor, stuff like that. And after about another 90 minutes or so, a, a a tall, you know, not, you know, kind of slender, but but pretty decently built, you know, for being a foot soldier, core of our men start, you know, comes over our way and just kind of looks at me and looks over everyone else and says, got our orders and everyone stops what they're doing and looks up. Uh, and he tells us that we're just supposed to go to this spot on the, you know, on the spot in the forest, about five kilometers out and post up there. And uh, Vala, the woman I was chatting with at the fire just pipes up again and says, go there and post up for what LT? And he says, I don't know. This one's uh this one's straight from Captain Halloran. So we're we're gonna go do it. And there's this chorus of like groans and grumbles and someone starts to mouth off about what a lazy bastard the captain is. And this core of our men shuts that down immediately and just says, We all know what we're in together here. And you know I'll make sure you get home. I can't fix I can't fix what goes on between him and his house, but we'll get the job done. Don't you worry. And uh, he calls out that we're going to leave in in 15 minutes. So people start packing their stuff up, getting what they need. And and then he comes over to me and I just say, you serious, Maz? We don't know. We don't know. 
we're just gonna go into the forest and sit there? And he says... Something's supposed to be coming through. That's all I know. Captain's not telling me anything. I don't like it. What a surprise. Well, guess guess I'll get my stuff then. Yeah, and come on, hurry up. We need to we need to move out. It's quite a trek there. I know, I know. I'll 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 get the rest of them sorted. So I go and get everything get everything settled. We all you know, we all get together. There there aren't a ton of us. This is just kind of like a sharps rifle situation where you've got like your you know, six or eight little person unit. And then we head out there and we kinda chat along the way. And we we find our spot according to the map and we wait. And it starts getting dark and start hearing something from the tree line. And it's we're all expecting undead. It's what Karnath does. But instead the tree line to the north and to the south and to the west just starts to explode in fire. And that's when the undead start coming from the only place that's not burning. And we do what we do best. We start trying to, you know, we we cut through some of them, try to hold back some others. It's not looking good. They just keep coming and there's nowhere to run. And you see the and, lieutenant locked into a life or death battle with the Bone Knight in charge of the undead squad. And it's not looking good for the lieutenant. All right. And I, I'm i back to back with Fall at this point. And I I run through the, the zombie in front of me and look over my shoulder and say, I'll be right back. I'll be right back for you. And I run over and, and flank this Bone Knight. And... Guess the fight's sort of going, it's starting to go our way, at least that particular duel with two of us. We've always been, we've always worked together well, sent, you know, kind of predicting each other's movements and whatnot. And then, but they're just still coming and the forest is still on fire. And all of a sudden I hear one of my, one of my fellow soldiers start to shout and it catches, you know, it catches me and the lieutenant's attention that we we look over just for a fraction of a second where this guy is shouting, and he's pointing up. And all of a sudden, this bone knight just gets wrecked by a shot of lightning, and a and a rider on a hip griff lands about five six feet in front of me, and she turns her head and yells get on and I, I just uh look at look at Maz and, and he says go go get on and I I yell at the night not coming unless there's one for all of us and she's and get she, on exactly and I I turn and look up and I see more more folks start and the lieutenant and the lieutenant pushes you towards the hippogriff <laughs> and I I hop on and I grab on, you know, grab my arm around this this knight's waist, and and off we go. You, you are struck by, however, as you look back, you see in that moment of shoving you towards the hippogriff, the lieutenant left themselves vulnerable, and the bone knight took out the lieutenant. The lieutenant did that, not make it out alive. 
That wasn't how he died. We've established that already. Oh, really? This wasn't the one he died in, no. Oh, okay. No, he's fine for now. Never mind then. Yeah. And, uh, oh, we got a time paradox. We got a time paradox. Yep. And, and yeah, that's... And, you know, I kind of, as I'm telling the story to Russ, I just say, long story short, everyone made it home that night, and it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been without those folks in the blue coats. The lieutenant, the one who was dueling the bone knight. Yeah. I remember that, because the way that that lieutenant got out of that fight, well... You remember that? How? I should. I was there. I fell on that bone knight. Jumped off my hippogriff. It was the stupidest thing I ever did. Until you jumped off a mass into the water to save Skipper and a storm. Listen, there's a pattern being established here. <laughs> we are interrupting a very dramatic moment. There's a pattern. Bossy remarks. Yeah. You don't put hippogriffs in melee combat. It's 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 a rule that we have. But they never said nothing about rough dismounts. And my my partner and I, we had a sort of bond that I could do that, where I could do a, what's called a rough dismount. And uh, so that's what I did. Is I did something stupid. Rolled over the hippogriff, and when uh, when she was inverted, I fell off with a feather fall token, landed on the bone knight, and uh, fortunately, we also teach a bit of a hand signal to our hippogriff, so I was able to signal her to do one rotation and come back down. Cast a wall of fire on the forest wall. Cut off reinforcements. Moved about 15 paces to the south. Was able to extract that way. I, I just stare at Russ with this combination of of like disbelief and sadness, and and just say, "You're the rider who got Ma's home." Uh, I guess so. He would have done the same for you if, if it's any uh, well. For what it's worth, he would have done the same for you. You gave us one more week anyway, so thank you. We were in a war. It was the right thing to do. Tell that to Captain Dennis. <laughs> Anyways. Well, <laughs> well, that's a hell of a thing. So, I've already racked up a couple of, a couple of debts, but for, I, I don't know if that's one I can ever square. I don't think you need to. I said it was a war. We're in something I was doing for favors. I never play for keeps. So you seem. Well, like I said, you bought us one more week. And now I need to get his knife back, and you've helped me with that too, so thank you. It's his knife. Well, yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Russell, nod, and I think that's a good end cap for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll give you both bennies for fading in an interlude. Hey, Russ is... Hey, Michael. We have a surprise guest. And Michael, uh, Michael's in chat. Not sure if he's uh, connected yet. But yeah, Russ has got some clandestine affairs he's got to get settled. Is he going to ask Dana to, to make a distraction in Overwatch or something? Or is he just going to go it alone? Nope. Russ is a moron. Mm, fair enough. Well, and Russ is doing this in the middle of the night, so distraction. Yep. Could cause more problems than it's worth. Right. All right. And Russ is a moron. Godspeed, Russ, and your four bennies. 
All right, so everyone goes to sleep, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless unless anything else is going on in the evening. Mm-hmm. Nope. I mean, that was that was cool. good. So, what's what's Russ up or what's Russ up to? Going for the map room. Uh, that's where I thought you were going. I'm I am nothing if not predictable. All right. So, you know, I'm going to do two things at once here because I went off off the ship map, so I can't get back into it and see it myself. But in the ship time action of sneaking, so you're tending to sneaking to explore, right? Uh, yes, I believe the, the action is just called sneak. Yeah. So give me, oh, well, here, let me check one other thing here, given it's the middle of the night. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right. So start with a stealth check. Actually, have I'm somehow trained in this. I don't know why, but that's an ace on the wild die for a nine. Well, everybody starts with a D four. Oh um, yeah, it's a core. It's a core skill. Yeah, it's a it's a core skill. So everybody starts that. So you get up, kind of, you know, in in that. I just read something that referred to it explicitly in the in the middle of the watch, in the dead of the night, kind of, and everything, kind of get up. You know, there's a lot of snoring going on, particularly there's like this as you pass by Truco, there's this combination of this purr slash snoring that's going on that kind of like catches you for a moment. Nothing you've ever quite heard before, but you move forward and you go up. You make it through and then get up topside to the deck. There are some. Well, here, let me do this. Let's see if this actually works. Ooh. It's like some mood lighting going on. Yeah. And so you get up topside. There are... Who would typically be it? You see Crimson Cog up on the forecastle. And let me get, let me get rid of a bunch of these. And... So you head over and let's see, there is, let's see, won't be him. You actually see this big orc that you know as Gragoth. He's the gunner's mate, actually. He's up on the helm and those seem to be the only two on deck at this moment, as far as you can tell. So the nine with the snake keeps you going. So give me a notice roll. Where is it's a five? I'm gonna keep that. Okay, you get forward to the door of where the map room is, and as you kind of reach for the door, you can actually kind of notice, especially since it was just yesterday, you were doing some running back and forth of messages, that the handle to the door is set differently than what you saw the other day before. It's kind of kind of like the where the latch was and the position that it was moving to open the door. It's not the same way. It's kind of like off to the side and a, a little cocked in a, in a strange way that kind of catches your attention. Go up and listen to the door or the keyhole, see if maybe there might be somebody inside, voices inside, or uh, other noises back Sure. Oh no, you're gonna make me burn a Benny. 
I'm not Double making threes. you do nothing. Oh no! It's curse of the threes tonight. All right, I'm gonna burn one more Benny. There's a five. I'll keep that. Okay. So you're listening intently at the door, and you don't hear anything. It's pretty dead quiet. You just hear the sea. It's pretty. It's pretty chilly out. And did I say Torla? No. 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 And you kind of reach up to the handle, and just as you're about to kind of like move the handle, you can you you feel it catch in a slight way that's odd, but not. It's not locked. You get the sense that that if you don't move the handle in a certain way, you may set something off. Trap. I don't have any spells. Don't have any abilities to overcome a trap. So. I mean, you can make a thievery attempt. You know. You'd be at a minus one penalty for lack of any sort of thieves tools or anything like that, if there is a trap there. But you you can try that if you want. I mean, everybody can always try something. You definitely just know that you're not skilled at it. And I, I did. If thievery is a skill, I'm certainly untrained in it. Yeah, thievery is a skill, and it, it, in Savage Worlds, it covers a lot of things. It covers like sleight of hand tricks, disarming traps, a bunch of other things, picking locks, picking pockets. I would need to get a four. I would need at a minus three penalty because it's untrained minus another one. I would need an ace on the D four and a four on top. I would need a double ace on a D four to pull that off or D six. And I would say you've been on the ship long enough and heard, heard some chit chat among the crew in the evening time and stuff like that. It is fairly it it is um, known amongst the swabs and stuff like that that there are some officers spaces that their doors are trapped we're gonna wave off so i saying equipped for that <laughs> but now he knows mm-hmm. now he knows the door is trapped so okay so you head back to your head back to your bunk yeah give me a, a bigger check it's like a five on the D6, yeah. I'll hold that. Okay. You you manage to, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're a little bit groggy and tired and stuff, but you, you shirk off the late night activities from the lack of sleep late night activities pretty easily. You weren't, you weren't awake as long as you were planning on being awake for. Yeah. And so I'm just reminded, well, since it's the start of a new day here, we will end the rest of that here. However, I will go to, I'll speak about glory for a moment. So normally with glory, it's the, the vast majority of glory is accumulated from you telling you or somebody in your group telling the, the exploits of what your party has done and whatnot. But there is some kind of general passive stuff that goes around from things that happen around town or around activities, things people might have noticed and what people start talking about. And given that the ship is such a small place, stories end up getting told about activities that happen and all that kind of nature. So I'm going to give you guys, um, say you guys have been accumulating some glory that you can then write on a character sheet. Um, you'll have gotten one glory for the fight that you guys did on the second day and whooping the ass out of everybody. That gets talked about in the ship quite a bit. And you're all getting three glory as well from saving Gifford Tibbs in a storm. So on your on your character sheets, there is a 
a section there under additional stats that says glory, and you can put four total in there. Do do I or we get any bonus on top of that for having played the folk hero card at the end of Saving Giffer? Oh, that's right. You guys did, didn't you? Thank you for reminding me. Double that then. So you get six. So so it's a total of seven glory. Where is this then? That's on the very first page of your character sheet. Under the left column towards the bottom, above the quick access, there's additional stats, and glory is one of them. Ah. Oh, rainy. Oh, I don't know why that now, came up. as you... Glory will accumulate more when you're not in such a confined environment, and you can tell stories of your exploits and things of that nature. What you tell is all variable based on what you do, who you fight, you know. If y'all you know, raid a fishing boat, nobody's going to care. Whereas if you take down a, I mean, if you all manage to take down a, a wind galleon, a Lorander wind galleon, I mean, you guys would get a huge bonus to your glory for that. I mean, that's a story of proportions to tell. Kind of makes sense mm-hmm. in that regard. Now, as you collect glory, you can spend, you'll reach a point where you can spend glory on essentially buying additional feats that are all geared towards renown and whatnot. Like you can freely get the connections edge, you can get followers, you can get sidekicks, you can get combat edges for, you know, telling stories of your prowess and all that kind of stuff. But you'll be able to spend glory for that, for those kinds of things. Make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. And in that regard, you all wake up come the morning time. And actually, everybody's kind of woken up a little early as there's a call of sails on the horizon. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. And that's where we'll end our session tonight. I'm Ellie, and I played Dana tonight. I'm Kevin, and I was Rascal tonight. And I am your Dungeon Master Philip. Thank you all for listening into the uh, Mourners of Larzar campaign. We appreciate y'all listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the session. And oh, hey, some of us are going to be at PAX. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Billy, yes. So ask around or find us on the Eberron Discord. Oh. We'll be hanging around the PAX all weekend. Woo. Yeah, th- throw some up where y'all going to be at uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter and whatnot as well. We will, we will keep you apprised on Twitter with our activities and maybe even a few pictures of like being in the same room together crazy yeah a little disappointed that a little disappointed i couldn't make it yeah come say hi to us at pax all right see you there thank you everyone have a good night night